I'm sorry. But I don't want to be an emperor. That's not my business. I don't want to rule or conquer anyone. I should like to help everyone if possible. Jew, Gentile, black man, white. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. We don't want to hate and despise one another. In this world, there's room for everyone, and the good earth is rich and can provide for everyone. The way of life can be free and beautiful, but we have lost the way. Greed has poisoned men's souls, has barricaded the world with hate, has goose-stepped us into misery and bloodshed. We have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. Our knowledge has made us cynical, our cleverness hard and unkind. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. More than cleverness, we need kindness and gentleness. Without these qualities, life will be violent and all will be lost. The aeroplane and the radio have brought us closer together. The very nature of these inventions cries out for the goodness in men, cries out for universal brotherhood, for the unity of us all. Even now, my voice is reaching millions throughout the world. Millions of despairing men, women, and children. Victims of a system that makes men torture and imprison innocent people. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke, it is written, the kingdom of God is within man. Not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power. The power to create machines, the power to create happiness. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Let us fight to free the world, to do away with national barriers, to do away with greed, with hate and intolerance. Well, welcome. We're starting a new series, and we're going to go at something that I think many of us are at. In fact, if you had a private conversation, some of us might have, uh, we might conclude we've lost all hope in mankind, <laughs> especially as weeks progress and news headlines continue. You start to wonder, can I trust anybody? Can I have hope in anybody? Can I, can I actually have a, a person in my life that I know that they're not going to just totally blow my mind on what they've actually done? There are many people who I think are going into the Christmas season going, I don't know about the world anymore. And I think, uh, I know, I know there's hope. I know that our world, although has regular headlines of brokenness and darkness and just messed upness, I just made that word up, there's still hope. And so we as a church are going to go at a very uh, simple topic, but it's going to require some tough action. Part of this sermon, I'm going to dare you to do something. So for those of you who like competition challenges, let's see how you do. Uh, we're going to go at the topic, very simple, of kindness. Uh, my kids have started asking for Christmas presents uh, last Christmas, uh, and they're getting more and more expensive. Uh, my kids have recently obviously been wanting cell phones, specific cell phones, cell phones that cost a lot of money. Um, the answer's been easy, <laughs> no way ever, uh, but, but I, I don't know if you know about this. How, if you've ever, some of you, you're, you're nerds, and you're like, when cell phones come out, you're one of those people that waits in the line. 
You're like, I'm getting it. It's today. You're an early adopter, and we make fun of all of you who go to the line by, all right, well, I'm going to get it next week, uh, but, but you wait in line. Well, what I've studied is this. Very true. There's a company called Teardown.com. That's an actual company, Teardown.com. That's their name. Here's what they do. When a device is getting released, the news is out there. Here's when it's getting. They put employees in that line where you and I, or not me, maybe you, are standing in the line, and you're going to get this. There is sometimes a teardown.com person there who's going to buy that device, but their job is simple. They buy the device, and they quickly get it back to their headquarters and hand the device, a phone, a, a tablet, whatever, hand it over to the analysts, where they begin to literally tear down the device. They open it up, and they begin to get into it and study it. They are going to draft a report, but they're trying to find out what, what products are in there, like what companies participated in making this phone, this device, whatever it is, and, and they're making a report. The report eventually, after 12 hours, their goal is that after 12 hours of retrieving this product, that they could send a report to people who will buy it. Here's who buys it, other companies especially for devices and phones, right? They're going to start making cases and accessories for it, and they want that information fast. But you know who also buys it? Lawyers. We all love our lawyers, don't we? Our, the lawyers will buy it, and they are buying it to see if there is any infringement on any copyrights or anything like that so that people can get uh, challenged. <laughs> Teardown.com, according to what I read about them, has a vault of over 2,000 different products that they have torn down within hours and issued reports to whoever will buy them. Uh, now, now, in theory, it's where you and I are able to access a little less expensive stuff for our phones and tablets and things like that. Here's what I'm observing. I think some people who don't work for Teardown.com have decided that that's how they're going to engage life. You might work for someone who doesn't officially work for them, but when you spend time with them, you feel torn down. Maybe it's as close to you as your home, where when you spend time with your spouse, you just feel torn down. Some of you, I know this, you go to school. You don't want to go to school because you get made fun of at school. See, I think we live in a world now where we pride ourselves on standing up so much for our rights and what we believe that we have now moved from just standing up for what's right, we now tear others down in the process. And I think we live in a time where we are actively, continuously destroying each other. We, we are. Now, I know if I had you raise your hands, who in here uh, is a kind person? We'd be like, man. Yeah, most of us would raise our hands. And then some of you would slap that hand down and be like, no, you're not. But, but most of us would call ourselves kind. But if you don't know the details, now schools have to have programs to teach kids how to be nice to each other. There's like literally anti-bullying programs. There are now offices who have to train people. Here's how you talk to each other. And here's what you do not say to each other. We don't even know how to be nice to each other anymore. In fact, if you have any uh, deficit of hope in today's world, I can tell you a part of the deficit is this, is we have lost the ability, or maybe it's just the attention, on kindness. 
We're kind to people we like, but we're not always. If you're just concerned, uh, is this a new, uh, this, this, is, this is new, this is American problem. No, uh, Ephesians, I'll show it to you. Uh, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other. For those of you who, when you read the Bible, you're like, David, it's confusing. Work on this one. This is simple. It makes sense. This is clear. You don't need me to tell you the Greek, Hebrew, anything about it. You're like, okay. Instead, instead of all the bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words and slander that's in our homes, our workplaces, our schools, that's on the internet, instead of all of that, instead, instead, be kind to each other. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Kindness. I would call it a superpower. Kindness is one of those things that you have at your disposal that could revolutionize things. I, mean, I don't know. I, my kids always ask, like, you know, if, if you wanted a superpower, what would it be? And most of them are like, I, I'd like to fly. Uh, I'd like to be bulletproof. I, I don't know what you would choose. But I'm telling you, kindness is a superpower. Kindness has the ability to take a marriage, a couple that's at odds, and restore them. Kindness. Just by learning how to treat each other. Kindness can revolutionize a school. A school where kids are constantly at odds and making fun of each other. If you could get kindness into that school, it would radically change it. Workplaces, come on. Can you imagine working in a place that's just, people are nice. You're like, no, I can't. I can't even fathom it. But some of you, you do. You work in a place that you love to go. And a part of it is, is how kind people are. Can you imagine living in a region where everyone was kind to each other? Movies have now made like tons and tons of movies about this Pleasantville idea. In fact, many of us would be weirded out. And be like, why, why, why were they just nice to me? What do you want? Right? That tells you a little bit about the deficit of kindness that if a random stranger were to be nice to you, you'd be like, how much money do you want? Are you trying to trick me? Are you conning me? What's the deal? Kindness is a superpower. If you wonder many times what's the purpose in life, like what, what I want to do something with my life, it could be as basic to start with how can you be kind to people. And we're at Christmas time, and I know it's mandated by culture. You you better be nice to everybody. It's Christmas, right? But there are uh, other months of the year. <laughs> the Bible, thousands of years ago, has tons and tons of information about kindness and it being a superpower. I'll just give you one example. This, this I think, helps us. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Never. Just some of us like, Oh, that's neat. Don't forget, never. Uh, tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them down within your heart. Then, if you've never read the Bible, you're like, okay, how do I read it? I'll help you. When it says something like this, and then, then, that means this. If this happens, then, then you'll find favor with both God and people, and you'll earn a good reputation. So there's just a part of the superpower of kindness. If you start being kind to people, you gain favor with the almighty God and with the people that you live around and work with. 
You even, if you're interested, can build up a good reputation. Now, I knew in this age where, uh, where, where we struggle being kind to each other, maybe we needed a definition just because we're like, well, what exactly? Oh, here's what, by, by the book, by the definition, kind is a sympathetic or helpful nature. Just trying to help. I'll, I'll give basic examples. Let's say you're at a grocery store. And, and you help someone who's trying to load their groceries into their car, and you go help them load it into their car, that's called being kind. I know you know that. I just want to give you an example. Let's say you hold a door open for someone. That's being kind, helpful, sympathetic. Maybe you're still a person, like you see someone pulled over and it looks like they got a flat tire. You might help them. It's called being kind. Yeah, buying coffee for someone. That's amazing. Many of us have been impacted, or at least you appreciated the moment where someone was kind to you. But we have lost, I'm telling you, we've lost, I'm not trying to be negative and just down on it, I'm just telling you, we have struggled, we struggle daily with being kind. In fact, being kind to nice people is not all that difficult. Frankly, we like to be kind to the people that will really appreciate it. You know, you know what I did, I was... I did this and that, and they really responded well. That's usually a part of our story when we're nice to someone, how they responded. You're like, oh, it was so good. See, if you want to know why kindness is not everywhere, because we're not just supposed to be kind to the nice people. So the sermon now turns. Because most of us are like, yeah, we need more kind people. I can't wait to share this with other the mean people on the internet. All right? This church is a church that intends to show you who Jesus is. Jesus is incredible. How he lived his life on earth, but who he is. He loves us and he's incredible. And he taught us some stuff about kindness. But you may not like it. But I want to show you what he taught. Because it's profound. Now I can't show you the whole thing because you'll tune me out. But, but I just, for a second, want to talk to the Christians. If you're a Christian, if you follow Jesus, if you're like, I love Jesus. All right, awesome. But to you who are willing to listen, just wanted to make sure that as I share with you what Jesus says about kindness, are you willing to listen? Are you going to tune it out and be like, that's not relevant anymore, or that was nice then, or are you willing to listen to the very words of Jesus in relation to kindness? If you are, I'll, I'll highlight the rest of it and we'll go through it, but it will mess with you. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you you remember, remember this part but to you who are willing to listen you're like not anymore uh, love your enemies mm, i'm not sure about that do good to those who hate you no they're haters david we call them haters now and we reject them and cut them off do good to those who hate you bless those who curse you you're like no we curse back that's how we do it pray for those who hurt you now someone was like oh i do that i pray that they're hurt that's, I pray for them all the time. 
If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. Would you like me to stop preaching? Would you be like, this is the worst ever. Talk about money or something else, David. This is horrible. Now, now, now this can, especially in our culture, it, it, this whole slapping thing, because, and, and because we have so many people hurting other people physically, this can come across to some as like, so, so you're just supposed to, to be a doormat to people trying to beat you up? No, 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 no. Culturally, this had a lot of meaning. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek, well, it wasn't a slap trying to knock that person out or even to physically hurt them. In this culture, to slap someone on the cheek was to insult them. So what he's saying, if someone insults you, let them insult you again and don't insult them back. See, I told you, you want to follow Jesus? If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when, when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. You want to know why? Mankind is so messed up because there are many people who say, I follow Jesus, but I'm not going to follow that. And if, if you want to have Jesus mess with you a little bit more, you can hop a couple verses further, and he goes right at us. If you love only those who love you, why should you get any credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. On my top ten list of places to read in the Bible, this doesn't make it. But it should. The reason that you and I have become jaded, and we have to admit that, Jaded. We're jaded. Jaded by other people's kindness. Wondering, what do they really want? It's because we ourselves struggle being nice to the mean. We struggle with it. And, and Jesus knew we would struggle. If you're like, oh, this is so tough. I don't even know if I can follow Jesus now. This is so intense. Well, guess what? Jesus knew that you and I would, would hear this message and be like, oh my he knew exactly that you and I would struggle with kindness because it's not a new thing. So I read to you a section about being slapped multiple times and praying for the people who hurt you and you're like, what in the world? Then it, then it makes us all feel guilty. We're like, so doing nice things for nice people, big whoop. I skipped something on purpose. I skipped the part that Jesus said, you want to know how to be kind? I'll show you. Verse 31. You've heard this before. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. You know those haters? Because you got them. I do. You know those people who have spread rumors about you, maybe said something untrue, maybe it's at work or at school. You know that person who's rejected you or, or, or not been nice to you or good to you, who, the person who has, has really just been a thorn in your side. And you're like, how in the world could I ever be kind to that person who's done wrong to me? Do to others 
as you would like them to do to you. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. Some of us are like, I love that, except right now. If you want to know how to be kind, Jesus is like, I'm going to appeal to your selfish side. Do to others as you want others to do to you. If, if you don't want other people gossiping about you, don't gossip about other people. If you don't want people screaming at you, don't scream at them. It's like, man, maybe there's a point to this. See, Jesus was aware that you and I would struggle with selfishness. And if you think I'm leaving myself out of the conversation, you need to know, like I admitted to you, I don't love this part of the Bible, but I would tell you, I'm so sick and tired of people mistreating each other. Tired of it. And I want us to be a group of people that at least changes it. What if we could create a movement out of the Black Hills where we taught the rest of the world how to treat each other? Jesus knew you and I would struggle with being selfish. I'll, I'll show you more. As the disciples began to learn and write, they even wrote this. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Watch this. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. The good of others. I know you're like, it's Christmas time. Yeah. This was not, there is, there is no like disclaimer during Christmas time or when you're in the mood. It just says, don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. Meanwhile, we live in a current culture who's like, protect yourself. Be all about you. Make sure you get what you deserve, what you have as a right. Make sure it's locked down, and then you can pay attention to other people. Do you understand that's the polar opposite of what a Christian is supposed to do? A follower of Jesus has concern for other people. So I can summarize this. Uh, kindness requires, requires self-sacrifice. It requires you and I to be like, I want to do this with my time. And you take that and be like, but that'll have to be later. I want to do this with my money, but you don't do that. Kindness requires self-sacrifice, where you and I position ourselves to be willing to put our desires and our wants elsewhere for a while. Kindness. Are you a person willing to self-sacrifice? I mean, just think about this. If you watch any superhero movies, right? That's what they do. They're the ones who go to the front and say, all right, I'm willing to put my life on the line. But here's the problem with kindness. Kindness is often like planting a seed because I don't know if you ever have. I'll, I'll give you, I, I have been kind to someone and they did not appreciate it. Have you ever been there before? Where, where you do something that may even cost you some time or some money, and they just wasted it. And you're like, that's not what I had planned. Oftentimes, you can be kind to someone, and they'll tell you you're number one with the wrong finger. <laughs> I've had that before. Have you ever had someone yell at you and you didn't even do anything wrong? It requires self-sacrifice. 
And many times we think kindness is offered to those who appreciate it. In fact, some of us are only kind. We, we over-evaluate who we're going to be kind to. And you need to, kindness is like planting a seed, and sometimes you're not going to see it grow. Kindness must be given whether or not it's received, no matter if it's received, in fact, even if it's rejected. Are you willing to do that? It's hard. In fact, I thought many of us would be like, no, I'm not willing to do that. That's where the dare comes in. So I'm going to dare you. Yay. Oh, yeah, I've been excited about this part. It's, it's what we're calling the kindness dare. And there's rules to this for those of you who need to take a picture of this. Remember this. Do not break the rules for those of you who are rule breakers. There's only one way to do this dare, and it's how I'm going to tell you to do it. Because I'm in charge. You need to pick a person. That person cannot be yourself. Just putting it out there because someone's like, oh, I know how to be kind. I can't wait to go buy this for myself. You need to pick a person. If you're going to take this kindness dare, I'm going to offer this each week. This kindness dare. Pick a person, an actual existing person. For those of you who just like to finagle out of this, you can say nothing negative about that person. Now, there's a, there's a rabbi, Telushkin. He's a well-known author, travels all over, does lectures. And during one of his lectures, he does this. And I'll just do it with you. Can you be kind for 24 hours straight? And he'll ask his crowd to answer. There will be three or four hands that say, yes, I can. But most will even audibly say, no way. Kind for 24 hours? You've got to be kidding me. Can you be kind for 24 hours? Can you refuse to say negative for 24 hours? Just to help you with this, if you can't refuse a drug, a drink, a cigarette for 24 hours, you would acknowledge that you probably have a problem. If you can't refuse negativity for 24 hours, you have a problem. And I'm going to try to help you get out of it. Pick a person, and for 24 hours, you... <laughs> can't say anything negative even if you have a long list in your head going but David they, I'm not interested you can't say not only that you have to tell them one positive thing and it has to be true <laughs> some of you are like I'm out I can't do this you got to pick one person you cannot say anything negative about them to them to anyone else about them no negative at all and you got to go to that person and tell them a positive thing. And then to really just knock some of us out of this, you have to do an act of kindness for them. This is the kindness dare. For those of you who are overly negative people, we have a few or many in our church. you got to take this on. We have a lot of us. In fact, maybe the majority of us are negative people. And it's time we change. 24 hours, that's going to be our starting point. When the 24 hours is over, do not email them all the things you wish you had said. (laughs) 
My suggestion is if you can make it through 24 hours by telling them something nice and not saying anything negative, then either choose another person to add to that list or continue the next day and the next day and see maybe you can make it through the whole month. We need people willing to take this. The kindness dare. Now, if you need some inspiration, I thought you might. I found a story for you. And I would just simply call it the power of being kind. Take a look. When the lunch bell rings at Boca High in Boca Raton, Florida, 3,400 kids fill into the courtyard and split into their social groups. But not everyone gets included. As we first reported last March, here at Boca High and at schools across the country, someone always sits alone. It's not a good feeling, like you're by yourself, and that's something I, I don't want anybody to go through. Dennis Esteban is a Haitian immigrant. When he came here in first grade, he says he felt isolated, especially at lunch. Now he's popular, but he has not forgotten that first grade feeling. To me, it's like if we don't try and go make that change, who's going to do it? So with some friends, Dennis started a club called We Dine Together. We dine. Together. We dine. Together. We dine. Together. Their mission is to go into the courtyard at lunchtime to make sure no one is starving for company. Dennis. I'm new here. You're new here? When did you first come here? For new kids especially, the club is a godsend. This is Gabriel. Gabe, how you doing? Since it started last year, hundreds of friendships have formed. Some very unlikely. You're probably meeting kids you never would meet on the football team. Ever. <laughs> Jean Maxmaridou actually quit the football team, gave up all the perks that come with it, just so he could spend more time with this club. I don't, I don't mind not getting a football scholarship. This is what I really want to do. Just imagine how different your teenage years would have been. What's the name? If the coolest kids in school all of a sudden decided you mattered. We'll get to know each other better. It obviously takes a lot of empathy to devote your lunch period to this. Yes. Either that or first-hand experience. I went from coming from a school that I always had friends to coming to where I had nobody, so. Club member Allie Seeley transferred a few years ago. She says with no one to sit next to, lunch can be the most excruciating part of the day. I think it's really unfair. It's honestly an issue. Meeting someone who actually cares and, lis and listens to what you have to say really makes a difference. And that could happen at lunch. That could happen at our club. Since we first told this story, Dennis has graduated from high school, but not from this mission. Start your own club at your school. He's now traveling the country, opening We Dine Together chapters at other schools, 15 so far, with more than 100 slated for the new year. And if we're lucky, when he's done showing kids how to make outsiders feel accepted. Yeah, I'll be around tomorrow if you want to eat lunch together. He can teach the rest of us. Steve Hartman, On the Road, in Boca Raton, Florida. Money doesn't keep you from being kind. You just got to treat others the way you want to be treated. It's not that you have to agree with that person that you have to be in line politically or sociologically or demographically. You know, let's be more mature than that. And do you find it fascinating that God would come to earth and Jesus would teach for approximately three years on earth and one of the primary lessons that Jesus taught was, hey, everybody, you got to start being kind to each other. Do you not see 
This is one of the deepest, most profound lessons as a follower of Jesus Christ. Can you love those who are easy to love? Can you be kind to those who make it real difficult? Here's what I would tell you. There are many people praying right now for miracles in their lives. Praying for God to do something, to show up. Desperate. I would imagine there's kids in our schools going, God, are you there? Do you see me? I know there's people at work. God, do you see me? Spouses, God, do you see me? And what I can tell you is, on the other side of your act of kindness, I believe God has amazing things in store. And I've studied a lot in the Bible about what God does. And I've learned that what God will do usually hinges on us. There's story after story where God was going to split the Jordan River for the folks to walk across, but he didn't just split it. They had to step into the water first, then it was able to split. There's multiple times where, where there's a battle going on, and it required Moses to actually keep his arms up. Jesus would heal people, And oftentimes he would tell them, you are healed because of your faith. There's a woman who wanted to be healed, so she reached out and touched the tassel, the bottom part of his robe, and she was healed. Jesus is like, I want the hope to go everywhere. And so I'm not going to take over the government. I'm going to put together people, and the people are going to send out the message. If you haven't caught it already, the Bible oozes this all over the place, that what God wants to do and is gonna do usually hinges on you and I. It's not that he's limited by us. He can do whatever he wants to do. But he wants to involve us. Ever thought of the miracles that you've prayed for? The intervention you wanted God to do in your life? Maybe someone else is praying that and your kindness is the way to get there. And so I dare you. (laughs) I dare you to be the answered prayer to someone. I dare you to take a lesson that Jesus taught and to be kind to literally everyone you encounter. If you do, I think mankind gets better. I dare you. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for this message. Thank you for the kindness that you shower us with. Thank you for constantly being good to us, kind to us. Thank you for never ceasing to be with us. Lord, we're not even near as good at that. But Lord, right now, I want to pray for everyone willing to take this dare. God, would you prompt us when we're out and about Would you give us names? Would you draw our attention to faces? Would you give us wisdom and discernment on what to do and how to do it? God, would you give us the bravery and willingness to be sacrificial, to do whatever is needed to be kind to the people who are desperately crying out for you to show up? God, I pray that you would empower us as a church in a supernatural way, that you would equip us to actually be able to be your hands and feet to our entire region. 
God, will you please answer the prayers of the thousands who are praying to you? Would you answer them through our kindness? We pray this because we believe this. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.